Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we have Mike Stevenson on from Addy, and Addy is a platform where both Mike and Steve, Steve Jagger, we had on a few weeks ago, maybe it was a couple months ago, a couple months ago now, I guess, and it's a platform coming out of the West Coast of Canada where they are putting up properties, and you can invest in these properties for as little as $1. There's actually a cap on how much you can invest because they're really trying to democratize real estate investing. So when we heard about these guys, we thought they're aligned to a lot of things we're doing. We really wanted to help promote their message. So we had Steve on fairly recently. Now we have Mike, who's the CEO, and in totally embarrassing fashion, which I, I embarrass myself quite a lot, actually, but I asked him how to pronounce his last name and it couldn't be more simple. It is Stevenson, just as it's spelled out. But anyway, that's how I started off the podcast. Um, but they're coming to... Ontario with some of their investments and you'll hear him describe what they're doing in Ontario on this episode of the podcast. We did it over Zoom. It's not perfect audio, but really wanted to share some of his message, what they're doing out here in Ontario, because we had a bunch of people who listen to this podcast from the Ontario area, want to invest in their Starbucks investment out on the West Coast and couldn't get into it. So now that they're out here doing some stuff, we thought, let's have Mike on, get a bit of his story, share what they're doing since they're kind of coming into Ontario and doing some things as well. We talk a little bit about the economy, the future of maybe real estate and a platform for buying and selling it and a whole bunch of other stuff. So really good guy, just really got to know him. That's the first time we spoke was on this podcast. So um, just a good guy and they're up to cool things. The way the world is changing is incredible to watch. Over the next 10 years, I feel like we're gonna see the demolition of old school finance and real estate, and out of it is gonna come some very cool things. So keep an eye on Addy and uh, enjoy this chat. And if you are listening to this and you yourself wanna diversify some of your investments, have decided you wanna get into real estate or wanna just figure out if real estate's right for you, you can check out one of the books that gets downloaded the most from us, which is called Income for Life for Canadians. And and that's a free book that you can get at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. Income for Life for Canadians is the book that started it all with us. Um, Rockstar was incorporated in 2008. We actually started about a year and a half before that. And this is the book that we feel like has been downloaded. I, we have to go in and check our systems to see if we can get a number on this easily over 100,000 times now. And uh, you can get a free copy for that of that book at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it for the intro. Enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are on with Mike. Mike, I don't, I, everyone gives me a hard time because I ask everybody how to pronounce their last name properly. And everyone's like, Tom, why do you always do that? Because I do it all the time. But I guess I just like last names or people's background. I don't know why. But you give it to me. How do I pronounce your last name properly? Uh, Stevenson. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, in elementary school, sometimes people would call me Stephenson, but uh, the <laughs> PH is a hard V, uh, at least for my English ancestry. Yeah, every time I think I'm going to say one properly, and of course, yours is the one that just I can say completely properly. Um, <laughs> every time I think I'm going to do something like that, I always kind of mess it up. So uh, we're just getting to know each other. We spoke to 
Steve, is Steve your business? You're the CEO yep. of Addy. And Steve's uh, one of my co-founders and we've been business partners for the last 20 years uh, through yeah. a handful of great businesses. Yeah. Can you walk me through that a little bit? I got Steve's story. How did you guys, um, I, I know you started some companies here in, in, in Canada, but then you took off to the Philippines. Did you follow him to the Philippines? Did you guys go together? Can you give me a little bit of your background yeah. on how you, your, your entrepreneurial journey here? Cause then I'll talk to you about Addy and everything you're doing with the properties. Yeah, I, I would love to. And just before we get into that, if I may just take one quick minute, Tom, and just acknowledge your, your listeners, all the rock star people out there. I, re I really wanted to thank everyone for your interest in Addy. I wanted to remind you that you are the CEO of your wealth and finances and no one can ever take away your achievements. And just being here today and learning from us is one of your great many achievements. And I get that everyone is experiencing pain in different ways in this difficult time. So please know that our thoughts and wishes are with you. And I wanted to say that purpose refrains pain and I acknowledge your purpose created more for you and yours. You showed up today. Uh, so congratulations, you're over the bump. Your intrinsic motivation to learn is more than most have. And you're doing more to level yourself up today than most people do in a week. So I got the most motivation. You have the discipline. Together, we got greatness. Uh, and then on to your question whoa, about- Oh, Mike, who are you? Where, where is this? <laughs> uh, listen, first of all, you're saying this and you're, are, are you in, where are you right now? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. I'm actually you're, in Vancouver from our Addy office in Kitsilano. So you're not only are you saying these wise words, but you're in Vancouver wearing a Blue Jays hoodie to honor everybody out here. I, I know we're just meeting each other through Steve. Uh, I think it was Jeff Booth to Steve. Now Steve to you. Um, that is a real cool opening. So thank you for sharing that because we tell everybody that we share at Rockstar. We share a lot of mindset stuff, mm. and we tell everyone like you know the biggest. The biggest breakthrough, breakthroughs Nick and I have had in starting Rockstar in our own lives have become from a mindset point of view. It's never been really like, oh, we bought this one property and like, you know, got quote unquote rich and that changed. No, no, no. You know, everything is hard in life. Everything is, is pretty hard. And that that is actually a good thing. We, we like the challenge of what's in front of us. And if we can put our efforts in the right place, the rewards are great. And uh, to hear you start off like that is, is, is really cool. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. that. Yeah. And maybe that, that kind of ties in into like, how did we end up uh, starting businesses in Southeast Asia? And it, and it really was the story. Uh, Steve and I had this business called Ubitorium. It's going to be really, really brief. Uh, we built it through a systematic way uh, where everyone got to work from home. And for me, my new home was Whistler. And unfortunately, or fortunately, this was during the 2008 Olympics, and it was such a rapid time where there's no trades available and I was renovating my house. And I know it's a first world problem, but what, what brought us to the Philippines is actually a relationship with one of the electricians. Uh, this person would stay after work every day and continue doing work. And I said, everyone left. Why are you still here? And he said to me, Mike, I, I saw your mom and she's Filipino. And for you, for me, that means you're coming by. And he told me this story about how he is an OFW, an overseas Filipino worker, and he was here to work and earn money uh, to send back home to his family. But when he was working and living in Whistler, he lived in a dormitory. And he said, if he was to leave my house to go back to his dormitory, he'd be sad. Uh, so he just wanted to stay and he wanted to chat while he was kept doing some work. And he wanted to break some bread, have some dinner, have some beers with another person. And something about that compelled me to explore. Uh, can we give opportunities to people uh, outside and around the world? Uh, so 
at that time, a lot of people were sharing with me all their success they're having with, with search engine optimization and with virtual assistants in the Philippines and knowing my ancestry was half Filipino and I didn't know much about it. I thought that was a great opportunity to go to the Philippines and learn more about the globe, about the world. And just even, even just relive some of my parents' footsteps. So my dad immigrated from England. My mom immigrated from Philippines. They both met to Vancouver. What, what compels uh, people to leave their country to seek out better? And I think as a Canadian, a lot of our strength is in our immigration. I think we are better because of it. And there's a lot more. And I, I'm super happy uh, to got to do the reverse and live in a few different countries around the world. Yeah, Nick, Nick and I are the products of Canada because our parents met here. Our father is Croatian, our mother Scottish. If it wasn't for this country, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation no, either. So Canada all. literally created Nick and I. So I have a, everything to be grateful for for this country. And it's part of the reason, and I know we'll get to it, part of the reason I mentioned just before we started recording that, you know, we think there's a destruction of the middle class happening, a lot to do with the monetary policies that most people don't understand. But it's why we feel that our business has a purpose because we're really trying to get people to understand what's happening in the world and to, to help them navigate through some of that in some small way, however small impact we may help them. Um, and, and that comes from respecting the middle class of this country. So you're, you, you kind of did it, you're, you're doing things in a, you know, kind of your own, we're all doing things in our own way. And I think it's cool to meet other Canadians who are trying to make an impact the way you are. I didn't have enough guts to move back over to either Scotland or Croatia and do something over there. It sounds like you actually picked up and went to the Philippines. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think we're totally aligned at Addy. We're against the thesis that people need to be better bootstrappers or just capitalists harder. It, it's not it's not fair and it's not right. And I think a lot of my acknowledgement comes through that uh, Steve and I had been moderately successful tech entrepreneurs and we had a few exits. And just because of the fact that we happened to be in Vancouver, we took some of those exit proceeds and invested in real estate. And we understand uh, the wealth we have created passively through real estate ownership and, and just looking and just really knowing that you can't earn your way to wealth. Uh, you need assets. And I think you're talking about that with the increase in quantitative ease and uh, assets are definitely inflationary. And there's a lot of scary things happening to our currency. So whether we get it through taxation, which is a direct form, at least we could see the devaluing of the money we earn. I think through uh, quantitative easing for any kind of stimulus money. It's great and it is needed, but I think we also be, have to be very cognizant of the fact that it is devaluing our savings and the opportunity to, to leave behind wealth, which, which is ultimately mobility for ours and our families. Yeah. Um, when, when that, that gentleman that was working, I'm just trying to think when, when there's a lot of Filipinos working in, in, in Toronto as well and sending money back home. How are, how are they, I'm just trying to think this through. And, and part of this is coming from my, my newfound obsession with Bitcoin. I'm like, how are they sending it? So they're sending it back home, I guess their bank account, then they're just wiring it back home, Western union style. I guess that's how it's going. Right. Cause I just, yeah. I'm just thinking the fees that they're losing off the top of that kind of transfer. Um, I'm taking this conversation in an area I didn't think I was going to, but I guess that's what he's doing. He would have been doing right. No, Western and it, it, yeah, and and I side with you. It's disgusting. It's the most vomit-inducing. Uh, when we started our last company, Payroll Hero, uh, we our mission at Payroll Hero was to bank the unbanked. Unfortunately, too early. It's still a great business, and we're doing lots of amazing payrolls every month for 
tens of thousands of people, but I think it was really the acknowledgement is how much does it suck? You're on your own. Sure, you'll make a community where you live, but it's not home. And you work hard and you're definitely not working at premium wages or salaries, but then you lose anywhere from three to 6% of, of your earnings through a transfer. And I think is that, that's is that like, what it is? Three to 6%? Okay. It's a lot. And, and you just think about all the process and, it, and it's only there because of this old paradigm of money and how it transfers. And I think you alluded to when you think about digital currencies, about cryptocurrencies, specifically Bitcoin and the ability to transfer that in real time with yeah. nominal fees. Like how awesome is that? Because it's not just the amount of money uh, you lose in the in-between. It's the speed of the communication of that store value. So I remember like in the Philippines, one thing we really we realized quite quickly why we focused on highly accurate payroll at scales, because if someone didn't get paid correctly, uh, and this isn't the same in most developing countries, and we were in a bunch of them throughout Southeast Asia, is that they get thrown out. You don't pay your rent on time today and it's due today. By this afternoon, you're forcibly removed from your from your home. And you, you can imagine the amount of stress that adds and, and you're just trying to get ahead and work to feed your family. But when you don't have security of home, of uh, what do you call it, residency, uh, you live in a very stressed out world. So how... so. Um, that journey, and I want to get to Addy in a second here, but so you go to the Philippines and, and was Payroll Hero started there? I forget. You guys seem like you started so much. I can't even keep track, but was Payroll Hero that was there while you were there because you stumbled Correct. upon the idea. That's right. You stumbled on another business. You stumbled upon the idea that there was a payroll kind of problem over there. And that's yeah. where you were. Huh? Yeah. Just like in, in very quickly, we had another business with a content management system for realtors. Uh, a lot of realtors needed assistance. We started outsourcing things done. I would grow that to 150 employees in the Philippines. We figured out there was no off-the-shelf software you could get to do your payroll. We created something internally. Uh, that internal thing we created got a lot of attention with other friends. Uh, we had businesses there, and we knew we had a business. So we moved to San Francisco. Uh, we teamed up with a thought leader in startups called Eric Reese. Uh, and we spent a lot of time working with him and working with this great San Francisco team on this Lean startup methodology, which is build, measure, learn. Corporated the company in Singapore. Meanwhile, why we're doing that, we were exiting that company that originally brought us to the Philippines called Ubator. Uh, and then that's where we discovered that there was something uh, mean, more meaningful we could do uh, for the people in developing countries for just at the very first stage is just have an accurate payroll. And then, um, so now take me, and I know we're going fast here, but I'm curious. So then what's the thought process behind Addy then? This is then, and, and you, you think you're opening up real estate to people who just would never be able to invest. Cause I know, I think your latest opportunity out in the Vancouver area was a commercial Starbucks type location. I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, was that, is that, yeah. was that the thinking like, okay, we're going to make this accessible to everyone or did it come from yeah. a different place? Yeah, I, you nailed it. I think maybe I'll share uh, kind of how, we came to the fact that we need Addy. And I think it was a realization that uh, when we moved back from Southeast Asia, uh, we were able to participate in real estate uh, development deals. And it's simply because uh, we had access to deal flow because a lot of the kids we grew up with uh, come from multi-generational developer families. Uh, so I thought nothing of it. And one of my friends said to me, hey, Mike, I got another development. Do you want to invest? It's 28% IRR. You have your money out in three years. I'm like, 28% IRR. Of course, I'm in. He goes, there's one change this time. 
uh, I'm kind of oversubscribed, but I saved you one slice. And, but that slice has a minimum check size of a million dollars. So I'm like, whoa, million dollars. That's a lot. I don't know if I want to put a million dollars into any one specific of place. liquid, liquid cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he goes, <laughs> and I asked like, you know what? Color me curious. I want to learn. I want to figure out if I could do it. Can I bring my friends and family along with me and create my own syndicate? They said, sure, as long as they don't have to talk to anyone else except for me because they don't know them. I'm like, makes sense. Uh, so I started texting friends and family. And to my surprise, I was oversubscribed within hours. And for the following weeks, those same people who either didn't get back to me fast enough said, can my doctor, lawyer, neighbor, sister, brother get in? And, and what, what I came to the realization is a lot of people don't get access uh, to real estate developments or commercial real estate because the deal flow exists within certain circles. Unless you're part of that circle, you're just not getting access to those opportunities. And I thought that's kind of shitty. Uh, that kind of goes against, rubs kind of friction against who I am. And it, it was actually, when I was doing that, one of our employees, a payroll hero, said to me, can he invest? I, he, he shared this story of how, pretty sure he did not a story, but his experience, so he's trying to save money for their down payment. And he says, I want to invest because I want 28% IRR. And like, for sure. And I and here's, here's where the story swapped for me and my narrative in my head actually became our light because I felt bad when he asked. And the reason why I felt bad is because he said, because I knew my minimum check size was 50,000. So while I was told that my check size to participate was a million, I was telling other people that I care about that their check size was 50,000. And I knew they didn't have that. And, and rightfully, they challenged me. And they said, how are they ever supposed to get on the property ladder? They can't save in, in the same mechanism as everyone else. So what, being an entrepreneur and being a technologist, that's when we really put some thought cycles behind how can we use technology to scale? And then just over the next weeks and months, it was that constant thing. Like when I was at lawyers papering the documents for my syndicate, the lawyer asked if he can invest. I'm like, wow, dude, like this is what you do all day. And he's like, you know what? Yes, but I don't get deal opportunity because by the time the deals get to me, they're fully subscribed. So I started really connecting the two dots that unless you have deal flow and, and you have the minimum check size, you're, you're permanently shut out of this asset class. And I think this is unfair, it's untenable. So at Addy, we exist to really eradicate these barriers uh, because I wanna live in a great society. And I think great societies are ones where everyone gets to participate because as soon as you can't participate as everyone else does, you break that social contract and you get this increase in unrest. And that's not a place I wanna live in or eventually have my children live in. So Addy was set, yeah, you said so much there. So Addy was set up to formalize this, I guess. And you guys are bringing, you, you are selecting, I guess, the different opportunity and then opening it up to people on a minimum. I forget, it's, is there a minimum with Addy? Steve was telling yeah, me, I think it was like, a, was it a dollar? Actually, I'll flip it around. There's a maximum with Addy. So at Addy, we stand for the majority and we have self-voluntarily imposed a cap of no more than $1,500 from any individual. So if you're, you're, if you're rich- AF, You're one of these socially correct businesses that's doing su such nice things. It just makes everyone else go, what the hell am I doing enough? Because when I hear you cap it out like that, because you're capping it so there'll be enough investors, right? So somebody doesn't come in and just take correct. the whole allotment. Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah you're, you guys are well, doing cool stuff. Well, Tom, Tom, I really think it's about good vibes and belonging. Because like when you enable renters to become homeowners and you enable your neighbors to invest in your neighborhoods, they feel like they belong. And like, and like our goal is to create those good vibes. And there's so many examples 
why we're so jazzed about what we do. Like every day we get such amazing instances of, of shared experiences from our owners. So like in our first property, which was our initial alpha hypothesis, 305 people participated in buying a single detached house in Vancouver. And your readers- That's crazy. Price, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So $1.6 million, highest investment was 90,000. The lease was a dollar. And Addy, uh, one of our promises that we make is absolute accessibility. And we, we believe we achieve accessibility to this asset class when anyone can invest as little as $1. So in every project uh, or investment opportunity we, we share with the crowd, anyone and everyone can participate with as little as $1. And as you, as you, rightfully uh, noted is that because we limit it to $1,500, there's a lot of opportunity for everyone, but it also kind of like self-imposes uh, our belief in the barbell investment method, right? So you get diversification. Of course, we're just getting ramped up uh, and we're about to release a bunch of exciting new properties the next little bit, including one in Toronto. Uh, but the goal is to have everyone make investments uh, in a diversified manner across properties they could literally drive by, feel, touch, and be proud of. It's funny when we got started in this business, a lot of people after a few years, we started in 2008. And in a few years in, a lot of people were, a lot of our own clients were starting to ask in, in, us about commercial real estate. And we said, well, look, we're going to stick with residential because the best to our knowledge is that the commercial real estate side is almost like an old boys club where it's like everybody knows each other. The deals aren't listed anywhere. There are all these pocket listings. And if properties go up for sale, it's not really like they're advertised. They, you know, a few phone calls are made between the same kind of group of people. And these properties are kind of traded around. And Nick and I were kind of having trouble breaking into that network. So we just kind of stuck with residential because we're like, well, okay, we'll figure out a way how to make residential work and we can bring that to the masses or to the beginner investor or to the, you know, the family that wants to diversify and get their first piece of real estate investment outside of maybe their other investments, which are heavily weighted towards the stock market. So, you know, that was our big kind of thing. Like, listen, we don't need anyone else. We'll figure this out on our own. So it was a little bit of this like rebel mentality, like forget it, we'll just figure this out, you know, and we'll, we'll, take, you, we'll take you outside of the Toronto proper because a lot of the cash flow is about 45 minutes outside of the city. So, you know, we were doing some stuff in Toronto when we first began, but very, very little. Most of our stuff was in all the suburbs because in the suburbs, mm. we had properties for substantially less, but the rents weren't that much less. So we could create, we could buy cash flowing our income properties. So, and, and that way our family, you don't know our history, but our family almost lost everything in the, in the, the real estate correction here in 1990. So we tell everyone, listen, real estate doesn't always just go up. We have to be very, very careful with this thing. We got to look at the income and the expenses. We have to treat this as a business that we're buying, not just bank on some hypothetical appreciation that may come out in the future. So we need to analyze the rents in the area, the rent quality in the area. We need to be kind of smart here because we need to survive for 10 year windows at a time minimum, because if there's a real estate correction, we want to make sure we can get through that correction and out the other side. The one in 1990 here, I feel like you're super young, but the one in 1990 here was deep, right? It was six years. It was 1990. And then it went down for six years before it turned around. And a lot of our family friends lost their homes on the west side of Toronto, like literally walked away. I was playing as a as, as, you know, younger kid in the 80s then. And then a few years later, I learned they lost their house. So we tell everyone, let's, let's buy for cash flow. Let's buy outside of, of the city because it's more accessible to the, you know, the kind of the first time investor or to even to the investor who's maybe thinking cash flow. That's where the cash flow exists. 
So we're trying to kind of bypass the old boys network in the commercial real estate side, get into the residential network in a certain way and try to survive that residential you know, network together as a group of investors. And uh, to see what you're doing now, you're doing a similar thing is that you're actually going into, because most of your stuff is commercial real estate right now, correct? Correct. You, you talked about the residential one, but most of it's commercial. You're going directly into the commercial real estate, which is typically not accessible, but the way you're bringing it to the market is very accessible. So you're kind of like doing the same thing, but from a completely different angle, which is like fascinating to me. So con congrats on that. That's, that's not, that's not easy what you're doing. No, I, I think what we're doing is very hard, but we're very passionate. And I think uh, interacting with our membership really motivates us to continue. I'm also, I'd like to recognize that we're doing this because there's some amazing people uh, in that traditional old boys club who, who see and really want better. And I think if, if you look at a, example we all know of it's BlackRock right BlackRock is really making an intended focus of ESG so environmental social and governance where I think if you, if you look at our board and the people who really invest in our company to allow us to achieve what we need to achieve and who support us on a daily basis it's people like Steve Evans who had the pirate uh, rate on TSX and he IPO'd at a 20 million dollar valuation and exited less than just under 4 billion to, to Blackstone so I think we're able to get access to these deals now because I think a lot, and I'm hoping more and more, a lot of these traditional clubs are going to re recognize it feels better. And it's actually also a social responsibility as, as Canadians to share these opportunities with everyone. And at Addy, we allow them to do it because they only get to deal with us. We do all the legislative, the governance, the regulatory. We make it really easy. So they deal with one, one voice, one signer, uh, and then we take care of of, of uh, making sure our crowd knows what they're investing in. And then with that self-imposed limitation of 1500, we ensure that no one ever gets over their head. So how does your investments work? I don't know if you want to use an upcoming Toronto one as an example, or the one that you just finished out in Vancouver. Yeah. How does, how does it work? Is it, is this something that I'm investing and then I just, I get, I get profit once a year or when the property is eventually sold, is there an ongoing yeah. component? How do you structure, or is everyone different? Can you, can you describe that? Yeah. That's fantastic. I, I think there's a couple different buckets and everyone is a snowflake, uh, but th those overall buckets is either you're investing for capital appreciation or you're investing for income. And I think that's really based upon what, you, what your own internal needs are, your hypothesis, what your tax basis is and where you want to focus on. So uh, with the most recent one, Chilliwack property, it's a brand new building. It's a drive through Starbucks. It's a tenant. They just started being a tenant there. They're in there for a minimum of 10 years and they got four or five year new renewals. That's a roughly, uh, that one's it's a cap rate. So there's going to be biannual distributions. So you're going to get your money in the bank. And in five years, we're going to exit the property. And you'll get also your original principal plus any capital appreciation. Uh, with this upcoming property in Toronto, uh, it's 19 buildings with 95 units on Lawrence Park. Uh, so it's more of a capital appreciation development. So working with a great partner, they're going in, they acquired the buildings, they're going in and doing substantial renovations in each of the units. And then they're gonna exit the property when that's completed. Uh, and at that point, our members get to share. Uh, yeah. Got it. And so on the, the one that you mentioned for the Starbucks, after five years, you're going to exit. So you're, you're, you're selling that property to a different group of investors, you think, or to just the open market, you're going to sell it. How's the, how does that exit look? Or how do you envision it? 
Yeah, great. So that's actually covered in our LPA, limited partnership agreement. And basically it goes out, uh, so it's market priced. Uh, so it, it may be it may be actually purchased by the GP or might be purchased by another party. It uh, can't say, but there is mechanisms in the LPA that ensure that the investors get the market value at that point. And, the, and I think that also kind of says that everything we're doing on Addy currently has that minimum of five-year horizon, because as you've shown correctly, your example from the 90s, real estate is a long-term uh, hold asset. Uh, yeah, so uh, right now, someone shouldn't be investing in any Addy products. Uh, if they, they want to get in and they get out, we're not a day trading kind of asset. Uh, this is more as a complementary asset class to hold alongside of your equities or whatever you're more frequently traded assets that you want to invest in art. And then in that five-year window, I guess, then you share in the profits, but then realistically, if the price is down and you're out, then you share in the, like, this is real estate. It's real, right? So like, if, yep. if it's down, you share in the losses too, correct? For sure. Potentially yeah, it okay. could be a down market at year five. And that's why we hold an option to, to extend it for an got additional it. two years. Cause we want to make sure we protect the crowd. Yeah, uh, and then the other thinking behind that is, if, if you're if you're out and you really need your money at some point, we could easily help exit anyone who needs to uh, with those low uh, investments. Got it. At the five-year mark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, and then on the Toronto one, that seems that's what we're seeing a lot of. It's interesting you bring that up because that's what we're seeing a lot of Toronto developers do. It's hard to get through some of the regulations required to do some new builds in, and I think all across Canada, but definitely in, in the Toronto area. And they're going in on existing buildings, forcing appreciation by fixing them up, just what you're involved in right now. That's a really interesting one. And then the way rents are moving and stuff, that's going to be a, a likely work out really well. Um, just because of the shortage of housing in the greater Toronto area. Um, does Vancouver, sorry, uh, just a quick aside. I know I'm jumping all over the place here. I, I no worries. It's probably, awesome. I, um, for Vancouver, do you guys have the same shortage of housing as we do? Nick and I know the numbers out here really, really well, but I'm not as, as good on the Vancouver stuff or, or, or anything out there. We have a debt. We have a really a big problem here with the amount of population growth that we have in this area and the amount of housing that's being built. Like it's, it's almost a crisis. Like there is just a shortage of housing. Vancouver, same thing. Very, very similar. I think in Vancouver, if you look at the geographic land mass, I think we're a fifth of what the GTA or Toronto proper is. We're small. I think we're one of the smallest cities uh, in Canada, if not in North America, I think we're about 110 square kilometers. I think Toronto's closer to 500. Uh, so there definitely is a shortage. I think right now, uh, some of that pressure has been relieved uh, due to COVID-19 and just the fact that there's no tourism and there's no international students, which make up a huge component of renters in Vancouver. And obviously with, and the Airbnbs are being flipped into long-term rentals. So some of that pressure is relieved. But what we're seeing in Vancouver is traditional hotspots like downtown Vancouver, just because of people working from home, they're not as vibrant as they used to be. And people are seeking to move closer to adjacent areas like Kitsilano or Mount Pleasant, where they have more, they have less floors to go up in a in an elevator or they can walk up or townhomes. And then people are also spreading across the province. Sure, but yeah. definitely, uh, there is a lack of new builds in the lower mainland uh, and in Vancouver in general. 
Yeah, we're, 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 see- we're almost seeing like a double spillover, almost like what you're describing. We're seeing some of the communities around Toronto get the spillover from people from Toronto moving there. And we've seen this for 10 years, by the way. This last yeah. year has accelerated that somewhat because sometimes people want a bit more space, get out of the elevators like you're mentioning. But then mm-hmm. those communities are taking the influx of people coming from Toronto and the people locally in those communities are spilling over to a, like a, a third community that's then growing. So we're seeing this yeah. multiple spillover effect. So for example, like in Hamilton, Ontario, we've been out in Hamilton for years. A lot of people from Toronto are making their way to Hamilton because of the cost of housing there. But then people from Hamilton, we're seeing a lot of them move further out to like Brantford, right? Mm -hmm. So we're seeing this, it's almost like this double spillover effect and it's driving the prices in each category. It's really fascinating to watch. So back to your Toronto property there for a second. When is that one available? And did you, did you, is that one, what's the set time frame on that one? I don't know if you had mentioned that. Is that another five-year project? Is that one short? Yeah. So this one's another five-year project. It's going to be probably available next week. Uh, It's a very small slice that's available to our crowd. And obviously we would love to have as many people in Toronto, uh, as well as Ontario, get in on the deal. So the last one at Starbucks, we restricted it to only British Columbians. And in that one, 833 British Columbians bought a Starbucks together. Obviously, the building, not the franchise or the building. I think with this one, I think it'd be wonderful if, if the majority of uh, owners in this development were Torontonians or people who live in Ontario. And is there a, this one, are you capping the investment on this particular one? Like, are they all different? You know, that one was 1500 bucks. Are they all different? Have you decided on that for this one? Yeah, I think this one, again, we're going to cap it at 1500. So if, if to give an example in the Chilliwack Starbucks property, uh, the average investment was actually closer to $450, even though the maximum, there were people who did 1500 and actually there was more than a handful of angry people who said that uh, <laughs> they weren't they weren't cool with the fifteen hundred dollars and like sure. they had so much yeah, money yeah, yeah. and we're not we're not for them is our reply. Yeah, I think we also had some people from out here because they listened to Steve on a podcast reach out to you guys because I got a couple emails in here saying, hey, how can I invest with Addy? They're not taking anyone from Ontario. But now you guys are out here. And is this going to be a consistent thing? Like, do you think you're going to be many projects out in Toronto? What's the plan? Yeah, and I think it's, it's just us looking to walk before we run. I, I think in our first property, we opened it up to BC, Ontario, Alberta. And we know you're just picking on it. Listen, listen, I know the politics of this country. I understand. We are low on the totem pole out here. You're taking care of for everybody on the West Coast. I get it. I get it. You're you just because you're yeah. wearing the Blue Jays hoodie doesn't you can't fool me. I understand the politics. Yeah. You're taking care of the West Coast first. That's great. That's yeah, fine. It's more more two pack biggie kind of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, got it. Yeah. So you were taking care of business and it, it's, it's important to do things step by step. So I, I totally get it, but, th- but, uh, but this will be a consistent thing then in, in the yeah, going area? forward. It's just, we're going to be, a, and we think about it from a securities regulator point of view. So we work very closely in ensuring that we're on side, uh, with the different securities commissions. So obviously in Canada, I don't know if a lot of your listeners know this, but each province has its own securities regulator, we're in the United States. We've all heard of the SEC. They got one. So we actually have to contend with slightly different rules per province. And we want to ensure that we're doing that in a way that both ensures that we're within the guardrails and security commissions, but also that we could do it in a practical way that builds a business that we could grow. Because we're here for the long term. And I think a key difference with us is that uh, we don't charge any fees. So whenever we, we make one of these issuances available to the crowd, there are zero uh, fees from us. Uh, so we have to do it in a way that makes that uh, offering scalable to everybody. 
Okay, so there's zero fees. That's really interesting because there's zero fees because you guys are participating because you're a business, you have to make money too. So you're participating in these projects and your profits coming from your investment in the projects? Yeah, so it's cool. Uh, great question. Uh, that kind of leads us to one of our promises to the crowd is that we will be the largest investor in any offering. So they know that we're in it with them side by side, shoulder to shoulder. We actually have the most to lose in any of these issuances we offer to the membership. And, and, I'm gonna, and I've been using the term membership because I think it's a little of uh, a prelude to where we're going. So I think when you traditionally invest with these syndicates or family offices or developers, there's fees everywhere. There's deal acquisition fee, deal disposition fee, mortgage guarantee fee, assets under management, there's fees, right? And these fees could be, and then like the biggest fee is generally what they would call a carry or a promote where they'll take anywhere from 25 to 35% of the profit. Uh, with Addy, we're not seeking to monetize and to pay for our efforts that way. We're, we're more inspired by Amazon Prime or Costco. So at some point in the far future, you'll pay an annual membership fee and it may be as nominal as $25, but for that annual fee, you'll get unlimited access to real estate, essentially a cost. Uh, so, and, and I think you can kind of see why we're focused on more members than fewer members, because we believe that you could, you could build an organization, you could build a product in a very different way. That's when there's millions of people paying an annual fee, uh, you have, the, the funding to do what's needed and to do things at scale and then also start implementing a lot of technology. So this is pretty interesting. So then longer term, you guys possibly won't have to go to the market looking for properties. I might have a property as an example and come to you guys and saying, hey, can I, I don't know if the right language you want to use is put my property on your platform or, you know, I'll sell it to you guys and you're a different market for me to possibly sell real estate to. Correct? Is, is, that, is that the I, way I, you're looking? Yeah, I think you nailed one of the, one of the, our hypothesis that we're going to be definitely exploring is that we believe out there in the world today are people who are probably the best in the world at identifying great real estate to invest in and either ready cash flows or they reposition it. So we want to empower them to get access to capital at a very low cost. And I think you do that for Addy. So we take care of all the legislative and administrative stuff that you need to do. So whoever that individual is and really knows real estate quite well, could go crowdsource, crowdfund the deals they want to make available to their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And the next step for this then is you guys are tech guys. You guys know Jeff Boo. So the next, the next step this is your business, not my business. I'm just excited <laughs> about your business. It's a good business. So the next step then is you can really, I guess, I, I guess at some point you could turn a pro you could turn your platform distributed by t turning a property into a token and, and just, it's an open ledger platform. And now that's just a tech thing. I know that's maybe not something you don't even want to get into, but I guess the way the technology is evolving, that's something that could come with you guys. Whereas where you could kind of just tokenize a property and then we can yeah. just have that ownership on a distributed ledger and I can buy pieces of this thing in a completely different manner. And it removes a lot of the inefficiencies that exist in the market today, just with different lawyers and different things that might be required to change title and ownership. That could come yeah. from you guys, no? For sure. While it's not an, a, an immediate focus. No, I didn't uh, say, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm like, no, oh, no, this no, could but, happen. 
you're definitely on point. I think if you think about what's what's available through blockchain and even through cryptocurrencies, and and you, and you take a step and you think about outside of Canada, I think in Canada uh, we're very lucky to have a very stable currency and a very stable government. But you think about we live in we share this planet with other humans and we are one species. So I think if you are in a country where you don't have any safety and you have a highly volatile currency, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if you could invest? Uh, and this is another reason why we limit uh, the investments is like, you should be able to save your money in a way where it's safe and, and it should grow. So if I was living in the Philippines or I was living uh, in South America, wouldn't, wouldn't it just be the right thing to do to allow a fraction of all these deals? Obviously we want to service the people who live in the neighborhoods first, but there's always going to be a percentage that should be made available to other people in the world who are just trying, trying to get theirs too. So I, I think you kind of alluded to where we're going in, in the very long term. Yeah, that's just fat. That's kind of blowing my mind as I think about hearing you describe this because because now I'm thinking it's very it's a very liquid way to get real estate because now if it's represented like that, you might, you know, maybe maybe we don't even need the five-year fixed window anymore. Like maybe someone can buy, like you saying, you're saying someone can get access to real estate in a very liquid fashion. They might be able to get in for six months at a time because because it'll be efficient. It'll be easy enough to make that possible. Whereas right now it's a little complicated to get people in yeah. and out and administer all of that. And again, I know this is long-term, but the long-term yeah. sometimes comes quickly. So I'm just, I'm just thinking that uh, that would be really cool because if, if I, some of my own relatives in Croatia, they might not want to buy real estate there, but if they see something, you know, that you're doing here and they can take, let's say an equivalent of a thousand dollars, Canadian, $500 Canadian, $250 Canadian, whatever, and get access to a piece of Canadian real estate really easily. Wow. That's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. So, I think that would be a wonderful outcome uh, of things to come. Uh, so there, that's about, it, Mike, just get, just yeah. get busy, man. Don't give me uh, just get busy. Keep doing what you're doing and get that done. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's definitely uh, something that inspires us to move forward. And, and I and I just think like currently, uh, I think we're really helping people feel like they belong uh, who live next to these properties. And I think eventually we want to make people in other parts of the world feel like they belong and they have they have a stake and they have ownership because I think ownership is the foundation to security to feeling good. And you kind of remind me of, of this story uh, when we were starting. Uh, we had this this real estate invested meetup. Uh, and then back, I don't know if you remember all the way back in February when we were still going to meetup.com and seeking out ways to interact with other like-minded individuals. But anyways, we're having this real estate invested meetup at a pub. And this lady comes up to me and she's quite frantic, emotionally kind of kind of threw me back. I took a couple steps back and like, hey, how can I help? And she wanted to share. Uh, and she questioned me first by saying, why are you having your real estate meetup in a non-age inclusive place? And I'm like, hmm, and I had to think about it, non-age inclusive. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Can you tell me more? And she went on to share that she's a single parent. Uh, she lives in a suburb of Vancouver called Abbotsford. Uh, and she said that her and her children, she has a 12-year-old son, and he wanted to come tonight. And she went on to share that on Friday nights, they watch Home and Garden TV, love it or flip it. And they never thought they would ever experience the opportunity to own and invest in real estate like they see in Love It or Flip It. When she learned about Addy, she invested her child's education savings money into the property. And it's changed how they view themselves. They actually take the hour and a half drive to come in from the suburbs to Vancouver to walk their property, walk their neighborhood. They send us articles 
on all the new developments going in with new rapid transit and they feel like they belong. And I think that's just a wonderful thing that I'm so proud to be part of is that uh, we're, we're changing access. And I think uh, we live in this wonderful time where we're actually truly democratizing all asset classes. So whether you think about Robin and bringing zero commissions to trade in equities, or there's just one I came across the other day where you can invest in artwork. I think it's called Masterworks. And you could own a, a bit of a bit of a Picasso. Like, yeah, I think with uh, the digitization of everything, I think there's more opportunities abound. And I think for podcasts like Rockstar and movements like FIRE, financially independent, retire early. So whether you're fat FIRE, lean FIRE, coast FIRE, I think a lot of people, the F5 movement, they're switched on. And I'm like, and I'm really really enthusiastic and highly motivated by the younger generations. Like I think for the longest time, we always got this narrative that millennials, they don't want to do anything, but I think right, right coming up right after them are the Gen Z's and the Gen Z's are definitely financially literate switched on. You think about what they're sharing and what they're doing, how they're educating each other with like very interesting and novel ways. It's a very inspiring Told, yeah, you've said that so well. And you're 100% right. First of all, in the millennials, I think people are a product of their environment. So if the millennials are a certain way, I think it's all the parents that have to bear some of that responsibility because we're all, you know, we created the environment. Well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a baby boomer. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle between the baby boom and the millennials. Um, but you're a product of your environment. So if the millennials are the way they are, I think everyone needs to bear responsibility for that. And then you're right on the younger generation. My, just, just hearing my son and his friends talk about buying and selling shoes and then buying mm, and selling um, sports. Sne- yeah, totally. <laughs> and, uh, and buying and selling sports cards you know, yep. like basketball card, especially right now, NBA cards. I know the NBA season's now over, but just that whole thing over the last few months, just hearing them talk between each other. I'm like, this is, they're basically, it's, they, it, it could be property they're talking about. They're talking about buying it at a good price. What kind of attention someone to get? Who's, you know, who's an up and comer, just like a neighborhood being the, the knowledge that they're getting around finances just automatically seems amazing to me. Like they're really in tune so much so that my son went to university and I've had many conversations with him about inflation and deflation. And we use Wayne Gretzky rookie cards as a little bit of an example to talk about this. Just, you know, if there was one Wayne Gretzky rookie card at school, or if there was a hundred, what would that do to the price of it? And is that inflationary deflationary when they leave? How does that all work? And he went to his economics course at, at university. He's like, dad, they're not talking about any of this stuff. And I was getting the impression that he felt he understood economics in a way that was, I don't want to say better but different than the way he was being taught right and i'm like yeah you can just just keep going with your friends talking about your basketball cards and your sneakerhead stuff and uh it's gonna pay off really well so i'm in agreement with what you're saying 100 percent um yeah i i uh with addy so what's the process somebody goes to the website makes an account like how do you get exposure to the different properties, especially the Toronto ones that are coming out now, because our audience is going to be, it's right across Canada. Um, but there definitely is a heavy influence around the greater Toronto and golden horseshoe area. So like, what's that like, just go to the website, sign up, get, yeah, just hit the website, go on your phone or desktop. doesn't matter. Uh, you sign up, uh, you verify your account by providing some government ID. So we know who you are. If you chose a income producing investment, you have to provide your social insurance number so we can send you your T-slips because obviously we have to report that to the CRA. Uh, Just and forget it, about it, that part, Mike. Just forget about yeah. that part. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and it's actually, it's relatively fast. And, and what we're really going to be working on in the near future is how we can make your portfolio view better, how we get it really add a sense of community. So you could, you could, if you want to share, you could share who you are with the other owners of the property. And I think what we really want to do is start to expose uh, some of the relationships our investors have with the properties they, they buy. So one thing that gets me totally jazzed is when someone goes by the Starbucks and they take a selfie and then they buy a coffee or even just hearing stories of parents uh, taking their children and just teaching them about how, how finances work to say, hey, we're customers of the Starbucks. We bought a coffee for $5 or we bought you a baby Chino. Since we paid for the coffee or the baby Chino, now the tenant gets to pay us. So it's about the circle. I'm just having them understand in an age appropriate way how to take part of the financial uh, ecosystem. So I think to me, it's bringing back some of the, the good things about capitalism. I, I think recently we, we saw that the narrative capitalism has to change, whether you're a fan of Mark Beninoff or Ray Dalio. I think un, notionally we understand that capitalism has been kind of perverted at least a little bit. You can't have capitalism on the way up and socialism on the way down. It's just, there's just something extremely wrong with that. So I think as, as a generational thing, we could help inform uh, the next generation of Canadian citizens that they have to be responsible, they have to save. They can't just rely on the government for everything. You have to really pull up your bootstraps and do take responsibility for investing, but you could do it at a young age. Uh, obviously, with Addy, you have to be the age majority in the province where you live to invest. But I think there's some wonderful lessons. So I think a lot of people could spend time taking get quick rich or taking weekend workshops in commercial real estate. But I, one thing I love about Addy, it's for a dollar. It's for real. So I think Tim Ferriss is is someone who talks about he go he went and got his MBA. He could have spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars by going to Stanford or Harvard, which are great institutions. But instead, he invested fifty thousand dollars in five startups, and he sat on the board. You got firsthand experience. What I like to say with Addy for $1, you could actually own real estate. You had skin in the game. And then those due diligence, those documents become a lot more material to you and you get to understand them. Uh, and you start learning. And I'm hoping in, in the near future, uh, we created that next cohort of people who are going to be reflecting deals back to us. And you're going to be seeing, you know what? I learned, I know, I practiced, I simulated. And now here's a property that I like to share with my community. And I think that's how at Addy we get to scale with a lot of amazing opportunities for all Canadians. Uh, Mike, just as we wrap, I'm gonna two more questions before we wrap here. What's your take on residential versus commercial uh, real estate, and is that the same to you? Just crunching the numbers. So that's question number one: residential versus commercial. You just kind of doesn't really matter to you. And then the economy going forward with everything we've gone through. You know, we're at the end of maybe a debt super cycle with COVID right now. What do you think the economy looks like? I'm just curious from what your you know your take on it so first residential versus commercial and then the economy can you just a couple couple thoughts on those yeah can i have a cheat answer and say commercial residential uh multifamily uh i, I think right now it's in, and i really look to the advice and a lot of the wisdom i get from our board members and uh at addy when we when we buy properties we actually have a very strict governance process where it first has to be vetted by a regional committee uh, then the global committee and then by our board uh so the way i hear about things and people way smarter than me, it's, it's too early to tell what's gonna happen with retail, whether that's quick service restaurants, traditional restaurants, office or retail. I think it's kind of unknown. I think it's better just to hold. But what I could say for residential, and that does also include commercial residential, like multifamily, at the end of the day, people always need a place to sleep and store their stuff. So I think there's always a great market for that. And just having experience living in a few countries around the world, 
Canada is the suburbs of the world. If you think about Canada, we live in an amazing country that's really in this band of good. So our worst public schools and our best schools are both good. Uh, our worst healthcare and our best healthcare are both good. I think in other countries, unfortunately, they got amazing and they got shit. I think we live in this amazing band of good in Canada. So I think Canadian real estate is always going to be uh, much valued among the world. Uh, and then your last question was around the economy. Sorry, just, I don't me. know, short, short term, long term, medium term, just some thought, like what goes through your head when you look forward, maybe the next five or 10 years about the economy. So I don't have a specific question, just maybe some of the most common things you're thinking right now. Cause I think everyone's interested in different people's opinions, right? So with everything that we're seeing on with the amount of debt that's global right now, and then the you know amount of craziness that's going on, especially in 2020, what do you think is in store for us in the next little while? Just any, yeah, any thoughts. I'm not, I'm not trying to keep you to anything really, just more curious into what goes through your head when I say that. Well, I think like most other people, we all fundamentally believe COVID has been a great accelerator of the digitization of everything. So whether that's retail moving to e-commerce, curbside pickups, uh, shopping the malls, but I think a lot of it we've already seen coming for the longest time. I think gen generally uh, people haven't been going to indoor malls for quite a while. People like the town hall, town outside concept. But what, what I'm really, what, maybe where I spend a lot of my thought cycles, just thinking about the easing that we're doing now. And, and while all this short-term help is great, I hope it doesn't crush the soul of the generation ahead of us in the back end. Like to really print trillions of dollars and not see inflation over the long term, I think it's, it's silly. Uh, we, we know that this inflation is going to drive this wealth inequality uh, and it's going to be the largest disparity we've ever seen. And we, we see tweets like that every day. And, and one, what's that? And I'm going to share, I'm going to want to close off with two stats that uh, quite sad to me and that also motivate me at the same time. And these are American stats because obviously there's a lot more news coming out by the United States. But it, to me, it, it's the richest country in the world. And yet 45% Americans can't afford a $500 emergency payment. Those people are seeing their wealth further decimated. And another thing I think about is, uh, there's an article in the Boston Globe, and it talked about uh, black Americans in Boston. And it said the average, and these are figurative numbers, the average net worth of a Caucasian family in Boston is around $150,000, where the average uh, wealth of a black family was $7. And like, you just think about that disparity and like, and, and it kind of makes sense why things are going on. And I think we as a society, we need to really stand up and start doing things to ensure uh, people have access to all the degrees of asset and wealth creation. Mike, we're cheering for you, man. We're cheering for you. It's cool to see you guys build this business. So anything we can do, please know you have friends at Rockstar. And if we can help kind of promote the message and, and share some of what you're doing as you continue, continue to evolve, always just reach out to us. Mike, uh, Mike, Tom, thank you. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Mike Stevenson, man. Pleasure getting to know you like this. So usually we bring people on who we already kind of know, but uh, we just felt you needed to come on here. So uh, 
totally appreciate everything that you shared. And uh, that's it. Well, the URL, I don't know if we actually shared that very clearly. I want to be clear. It's www.addyinvest, A-D-D-Y, invest.com. And we're recording this in October 2020. So if you're listening to this at some other time, there'll be other investments, I'm sure, up there for you to check out. But we're recording this kind of like mid, oh, it's already late October uh, 2020. So depending when you're listening to this, you can check out the website for, for the latest stuff. Um, that's it, Mike. Appreciate this, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Rockstars. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Mike Stevenson. Great guy. I love to hear someone who's so passionate, has a purpose to their business. It'll be interesting to see them evolve their business over the next few years. We'll keep tabs on them, bring them on with uh, updates so we can all learn how this progresses together. And if you are listening to this and you want to get a free copy of one of our real estate investment books, all of them are available at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.